passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. This is Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock alongside Wei Ting. Got to keep all these shows straight, Wei. There's been quite a lot of them. Oh, man. What, this, what is this, your fifth show in oh, 20, 24 who hours? Who knows? Uh, it's been a few. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, overall, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing good. Okay, good. Good start. So we're both yeah, good. Great. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing well. Doing, doing nice, okay? I enjoy November. November's oh. an underrated month in the year. No one ever goes into the year saying, man, I can't wait till November. I like November. It's sort of just in uh, before the, the craziness of December. It's not yeah. too cold. I think I think um, it, it just kind of um, it's definitely a, a little underrated. Maybe um, it's it's just kind of sandwiched between Halloween and Christmas, isn't it? You know, it's not very exciting on its own. Yeah. Which kind of gives it its own character. In its own yeah. unique way. So on that note, uh, November the 15th, it is halfway through the month. So we are going to be going through Dynamite tonight. The the first, will it be the only? Like a dragon, Gaiden, the man who erased his name, Street Fight. Um, uh, that This particular game, yeah. But I mean, would it be the last Like a Dragon, Gaiden, Street Fight with blank, you know, sort of subtitle, maybe not. We'll find out. We'll talk about the, uh, the unique street fight that was on tonight's Mm -hmm. edition of dynamite. All of this going into full gear this coming weekend, where we are going to have you covered for all nights of the week. Starting Thursday, we have got wrestle kingdom 10 to review. That will be up at postwrestlingcafe.com. All members will get access to this show way. I'm looking forward to reviewing this show with you. Really? Okay. Why? Why? What reason in particular? Because the show is incredible. That's why. All right. Okay. That's my spoiler. Okay. Russell, New Japan had it going on in 2016. That's what I'm going to say. This is quite the show to watch. Um, the the breeziest long show to, to watch, I can recall. 
in some time. Cool. You did start this one, correct? You had mentioned. I have started it. Um, I'm not I'll, even worried. If if you have like more than half the show, I don't think you're gonna have to worry. It was okay. it was a breeze, honestly, to watch this show. Mm. It hasn't been for me. I'll be completely honest. And and I think whoa it's, whoa, it's not because the wrestling's not good. Um, I just when something's not really um immediate, I just end up spending forever on it, and I just end up like not mm. like I, I i i like the urgency of live something live you know what i mean and and going back to watch these shows these are always like the toughest reviews for me just because like um anyway anyway we'll talk about it all on all right well you'll, you'll get to uh compare this to ecw december to dismember in two weeks time we can we can compare right. viewing because that's the one i'm dreading uh but all of that coming up friday night yes Five hours of WWE and AEW programming. So Way and I will be going live at 10 Eastern, but we're going to make Rewind to SmackDown free for everybody while the cool kids in the post-wrestling cafe, they will be getting a late night edition of Collision Course, Friday Night Collision with Kate from Montreal and John Cena going through Collision and Rampage. Three hours, two shows, two titles from AEW. Those are those are the workhorsemen, okay, of of our little universe. Yeah, those two will be back, and uh, they'll be reviewing all three hours. Then Saturday, Way and I will be up as soon as Full Gear ends, and as well Saturday night we've got Rich Fan and WH Park reviewing the Marvels, and then it all leads into Sunday night the return of the NWA podcast with Chris Ely, Andrew Thompson. And Nate Milton. So look out for all of that coming up this weekend. Postwrestlingcafe.com, $6 gets you into the door and all access to all uh, bonus shows. And then if you want to jump up to the double double level, that gives you access to our audio news updates with uh, one going up today, catching you up on the news. It's like, um, it's like cocaine, okay? If you're a news uh, connoisseur, you don't have a lot of time, but it's a nice hit in the middle of the day that gets you uh, just wired for the next 12 hours maybe that's what we should name the tier the coke tier yes yeah mm-hmm. it's uh we'll, we'll run that by legal see how they they go with that so check out postwrestling.com all the latest stories coming uh today from neil flanagan andrew thompson and the whole crew let's talk about some news items way tony khan has a surprise for saturday he sent out a tweet that they have signed a a mystery man, somebody that is universally respected as a professional wrestler. Just to specify, we don't know if it's a man or a woman. Um, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get mystery the exact person. language here. One of the world's best wrestlers will sign for AEW at full gear, gender neutral, and they have to show up respected by virtually every AEW fan. So he's not just completely saying unanimous. <laughs> Okay, virtually every AEW fan. There's some that this person, it's not their style. They will come to LA to sign their contract this Saturday, November 18th on pay-per-view. And of course, see you tonight on hashtag AEW Dynamite before full gear. So um, this is uh, this is one of uh, Tony's tried and true promotional uh, hooks for mm. pay-per-view. And I guess you can throw out your speculation as to who is showing up. I will say this. I don't know if you could name me one person on the planet that AEW absolutely needs right now. There is not one person. Could it be Mercedes Monet? Of course it could be Mercedes Monet. Could it be, I mean, John Cena. I don't think it's going to be John Cena. That would be my guess. Okay. Um, Okay. But I'm I'm just saying if he was available, he would help the company. um, 
I guess he would. I guess he would. Yes. <laughs> if you could get John Cena. Um, although I don't know, the guy just had a arm surgery and he's about to have another arm surgery. It's not um, going to be John Cena. I don't, I don't know if John Cena would. You're be, saying uh, of the people that are available, nobody is a, a big enough difference maker to AEW's business. I think that this is, if you go back to um, when Sting debuted, okay? He was very yeah. high on this debut. And they got a bump in the numbers. And at that time, I said this multiple times, is that when you see this bump, it, beca- it can become very intoxicating to just keep, in- keep going back to this well. Because it's always going to provide that immediate like dopamine hit if you're a promoter and your audience that craves surprises. And then you're just constantly, constantly going. And there's great names you can pick up. I don't think anyone would look at this roster and say, you know what they're missing? They're not missing anything. They have everything and then some on this Mm -hmm. roster i would look at that when it comes to and we should also do the timeline here all the recent wwe cuts that was september 21st i believe so unless there are some some special uh no no compete clauses to our understanding 90 days which would not which would likely limit all of those names that i'm sure people are going through that would be till mid-december that they would be available Hmm. right um Tony likes to collect his toys. You know, he he likes to see what's out on the free market. He likes to go to the flea market and, and see who he can pick up. And I mean, let's just assume that it might be somebody like a Mercedes Monet. I mean, she's this would, would have probably been in the works for a long, long time before. I would say maybe the, the sentiment of um, AEW having too many mm, ex WWE or at least maybe older professional wrestlers coming into their system was um part of like more of the um the sort of public discussion and Mercedes Monet I don't even think qualifies as you know <laughs> she's certainly not older you know um she no, she, she would be received very well I think like you're in yeah. LA it, it it would be and honestly it would be a, a big enhancement to an area of AEW's roster that I think is looking for more attention and this would be the latest i think argument is that well tony needs some major star that he is going to you know just rocket ship to to the moon in their women's division but i think Mm -hmm. mercedes monet would be i mean instant i i would not be worried about whoever this is showing up and not getting a great reaction they'll get a great reaction whoever it is um but I think Mercedes okay, it depends who it is. Okay. So now expectations uh, coming off of, I think um, enough discussion about Tony Khan and his announcements, announcing announcements. I have to think that he and the entire company are very sensitive about making sure that this one lives up to expectations. So it has to be somebody at least on the level of a Mercedes Monet. If it was anybody underneath that, I think if it was even, okay, let's say Dolph Ziggler was available. Even if it was a Dolph Ziggler, I think that would be a disappointment. He'd okay? still get a big pop. He'd get a good reaction, but I think you'd you'd also find people that would groan at, mm, you know. The one that is often cited was TNA that always loved to do this game of the surprise. And one of them was Chavo Guerrero Jr. And -hmm. he comes out and do, and this is after he's had his run. Like he's, you know, losing the horn swoggle in WWE. He came out, TNA thought they had signed Steve Austin. Okay. They, and I'm talking about the audience. They treated him like it was, oh my God, Chavo Guerrero Jr. A live, but a live reaction, I, I think, um, is, is different from maybe what an online reaction might be. Okay. I'm um, talking about the live reaction. Okay. Sure. If horn swoggle came out, would, you, would he get a good live reaction? Virtually everyone. Maybe it's Chavo. Um, you know what? He's he's available. He's, he's promoting Iron Claw. He could be mm-hmm. 
maybe he can come coordinate some street fights down the road. Sure. So that's the, I guess, the, the last minute push that they have for Full Gear is a surprise. Uh, what is not a surprise is that WWE and Panini, they're not going to trial way. They have reached a settlement. The The trading card bonanza is over. Uh, there was a Zoom call. Tony, uh, sorry, Tony, Nick Khan looked to be the point person for WWE that was able to uh, to reach an end to this. We don't have the details of the settlement, only that um this filing was made that this action is dismissed without costs and without prejudice to restoring the action to the court's calendar provided the application to restore the action. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's without prejudice. So this will not be revisited. And I guess your, your question would be, are the sides just going their separate ways and there's no cost associated on either side because Panini, they wanted to at least see the end of this deal as arduous as a, or cantankerous of a relationship as this became with WWE wanting to move all of this business over to fanatics um i mean i I would read into this that this is probably if if they were going to continue i think they would put out some kind of a statement i guess we will see in the next 24 hours if there's any further um mentioned by panini about what their relationship is with wwe but that is it even an, an amount that you might be able to find out at the next um tko earnings call like, is it even significant enough in, in the grander scheme that you would even be able to deduce? I mean, j- just speculating, I don't know what the amount would be, but I could certainly mm-hmm. see that Panini is just given an amount to basically go away and right. let us just speed up and get to this Fanatics deal as we we wanted it to be for, from the get-go. It's like you pretty much have a side here in WWE. They they have moved on. They have they have met uh, someone else and yeah. they want a divorce from Panini. So what we're, we're going to, we're going to live together just because we've, we've got a lease for another year. Like mm-hmm. how about we just move out and we call it a day. That's it's trading cards. You know, like what, are they really gonna, going to lose that much stress over trading cards? I'm sorry. Um, all the trading card fans that are out there. Uh, the answer is yes. If you're Panini, I mean, this was a, this is a big loss for them. Rey Mysterio underwent knee surgery, so this was to ex- explain his uh, his absence that will be coming up. House of Wrestling reporting that he had been working with a torn meniscus for several months, and then they did the angle on Friday. So I would imagine, Way, the fact that we saw everything sped up with the Santos-Escobar angle, I mean, not to say it came out of nowhere, but this was an angle we could have seen going for weeks and weeks, at least, before the turn. But I guess, you know, once he dropped the title and he had earmarked this is this would be the time if you're going to be out um nick houseman estimating six to eight weeks is the timetable this is the time of the year you go for a surgery like that and you come back for the big season sure yeah i'm a little surprised they didn't do an angle involving the knee to what was the angle sorry his, <laughs> i forget his, his leg was placed in the steps and then santos drop kicked the knee Oh, I just thought well, was I thought that was just a spot. I didn't know that was like an actual sort of like write off type of thing. Yeah, it was. It was definitely the, the injury angle. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Then uh, never mind. So he can come back, and maybe this is a rumble match. Maybe they have d- grander designs that they could they could push this all the way to Mania. I do you think that this one has the juice to go that long, Santos and and Ray? Sure. Yeah. Why not? You keep Ray out long enough, and sure. AEW collision ratings from Saturday night. So they were uh, they were up against uh, college football and the UFC 295 prelims. And the show did 396,000 viewers and a 0.11 in the demo. So they were uh, 
up from the week prior when they were airing the same day as Crown Jewel. However, this is the first time that they didn't hit 400,000 viewers where they weren't airing the same day as the WWE show. So I don't know what you take from that. This is it's an improvement over the week prior, but the week prior was not a great number. Um, They did see a 32 percent increase in 18 to 34 uh, female viewership, also up quite a bit from last week in uh, 18 to 49 and 18 to 34. This Friday is probably going to be the lowest collision number in history. They're on a different night. They're going against SmackDown. And I can't say the the lineup that they threw out tonight to entice you to tune in is going to be a difference maker. So this is probably going to be a learning uh a learning tool for for some, but I think if AEW has a Saturday night pay-per-view, they are committed to doing these 2 hours and Friday night is going to be the night until SmackDown moves to another night if they move to another night. And the week after that's not going to be pretty either against Survivor Series. That one's going to be rough too. Yeah, these are going to be two very, very tough numbers for Collision would be uh, my estimation. Raw Monday night against uh, Monday Night Football. It was a a more widely distributed game between the Broncos and Bills with ABC, ESPN, and ESPN2 carrying the game. So you had over 17 million viewers combined watching the game. Uh, Raw was down 4%, doing 1,467,000 viewers, down 8% in the demo with a 0.88, not too drastic of a a decrease, a fine number for raw. I wouldn't say like there's a whole lot to take from it. Although in Canada way, biggest number in three months since August 21st, 297,400 viewers. So, I mean, I I don't know what, what, what's in the water up in, in Canada that they have. uh, Do we just not watch as a bunch of football? You know, last week they did a great number two, and that was a show all built around Sami Zayn. I wouldn't say this was one that was all built around uh, Sami Zayn. This uh, it might just be Raw's uh, this war games. It is it has just taken this country by storm. Sure, okay. And NXT Tuesday night seven hundred three thousand viewers, point two one in the demo. This was coming off that incredible number last week, so this was a bit of a a, a return to uh, regular number. Uh, status for them 11 percent drop in viewership 22 percent decrease in 18 to 49 some after the big numbers last week it was some pretty inflated drops here they fell 20 percent in 18 to 34 23 percent in 35 to 49 canada doing 88,400 viewers so fine numbers for uh, nxt even with the drops from last week so that gets you all caught up are you aware of the andre chase scandal that's going on on nxt He's embroiled in some un, unspoken scandal that could tarnish his reputation. I'm aware of it. What do you think it is? Um, I think I think they've got to do the uh, the Lori Laughlin like college admission <laughs> scandal that he has a a family member that he you know bribed to get into Chase U. I think that's what this his is. own university. He, he wouldn't he be allowed. I mean, you know, if the nepotism. Didn't go through the proper okay. testing of some sort. Mm. I mean, I, I don't know how far you go here with a, uh, you know, uh, a scandal. Uh, right. You're saying how how controversial they can go. Well, you're. I mean, you, you watch this. This. It, I mean, he could just maybe he just shows up at NXT next week and comes out and says, "Then, now, forever." <laughs> and just walks out afterwards. Probably not going to go there. 
Although the Chase U students seem to have more of a moral compass than some WWE fans when Vince McMahon showed up at uh, Mm. uh, Raw and SmackDown. Because these Chase U students in the crowd, they got up and left. They walked out on Andre Chase, which begs the question why they even showed up at the Performance Center to begin with. It's like you came to the arena when you knew Andre Chase was defending his tag titles. But then during the match, you got up and maybe that was we're going to get up in protest. We're going to show us getting up and leaving as a sign rather than boycotting the show. We'll find out. Big, big stuff going down in uh, Chase U. All right. And on that note, uh, the final thing is uh, this Friday night, this could be the last Bellator card ever. They have Bellator 301 in Chicago, the Trust Arena, where Dynamite is next Wednesday. And this card is the final show on the Showtime deal. Showtime is dropping MMA and boxing at the end of the year. They have, I believe, one more boxing card later this month. Uh, but this will be the last Bellator broadcast. It's actually a very good card here. We have uh, Yaroslav Amasov against Jeremy Jackson for the welterweight title. Patchy Mix against Sergio Pettis uh, to unify their bantamweight championships. And then the lightweight World Grand Prix semifinals. Alexander Shabali against Patriki Pitbull Freite. Now, the interesting part here, the winner will advance to the finals. We don't know if these finals will even take place. So... This is going to be the greatest post-fight interview ever where they are asked about the finals and they will have no idea if these finals are even happening, much less where they are happening. Uh, But this will be, um, yes, uh, big questions about Bellator. Will it be purchased by PFL? If you are buying Bellator, what exactly are you buying when they have no broadcaster? Certainly they have some excellent fighters that you would want to sign, but to buy the entire company, I, I just don't know what the value of that would be like. Tape libraries are nice. They are not worth a gigantic amount of money, nor do you have any way to monetize that if you're PFL. So so this uh, could maybe, be the last Bellator show. This very well could be the last Bellator card. If they are bought, if they're absorbed, even, even if they were bought and kept, uh, they ran Bellator separately for a time, it'll be a very different um, Bellator. Um, so, I mean, this is a company that has been around for uh, 14 years and never have really been able to get to that next level. I think the closest they came was when Scott Coker came in and started to try and his idea was a lot of freak show fights. Uh, Kimbo slice, who was their biggest draw, uh, Ken Shamrock, hoist Gracie, Dada 5,000, and then mixing it in with your Michael Chandler's and your pit bulls. Like they had a great core of fighters. It was just, they were not, superstars and you were in a marketplace that was so dominated this this coincided like in 2012 when ufc went to fox that's when you saw the increase in fight cards to a near weekly basis and your average consumer got everything they could possibly want on a weekly basis from the ufc that you were not clamoring for more fights unless you were such a diehard fan that was going to watch more content on top of it but the ufc just so cornered the MMA fans needs that a Bellator, it was just so hard to break in an AEW. They were able to tap into this big hole that was left from the WWE that was craving something different. And I don't know how many UFC fans watch and leave a typical Saturday night stating, man, this company could be so much better, or I just want to see something else. They've got such a monopoly of the best fighters. They are able to match, make many of the best fighters together. And there's, there's just only so much of an audience outside of that. And 
Bellator is learning that PFL is, is learning that uh, one championship. You can go down the list. There is, I don't know if we'll see somebody in this generation that will be able to really strike any sort of market share away from the UFC and let something absolutely catastrophic happen. And even with an antitrust suit, I, I don't see that being the case, but anyway, that's uh, it'll be a trivia note on, on Friday, potentially on Showtime. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Tonight, we are going to Ontario, California, the other Ontario, at the Toyota Arena for the Go Home Dynamite before Full gear this coming Saturday. We'll go over the pay-per-view at the end. WrestleTix reporting 3,635 tickets distributed. So well down from the last time. This was about um, half full from the last time when this thing sold out almost immediately for their first time in Ontario, California. They recapped the attack on the acclaimed and uh, just highlighting Samoa Joe coming to MJF at the end of last week's show, keeping that above MJF's head, this choice he's got to make regarding Joe. And we're starting off with John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta against Orange Cassidy and Hook. And they start in the audience. They make it to the ring. This crowd very much into John Moxley early on here. Hook gets in with Moxley. And Taz explains ta- that Hook isn't here to learn from Moxley. He's here to fight. And Cassidy is sent out to the floor. He's selling his arm for a while while uh, Hook is in there. He takes a heart attack. And then it's Moxley delivering the weak kicks onto Cassidy, who then slaps and mocks Cassidy and we had a great series involving Hook and Yuta. Moxley hits a cutter out of nowhere to Hook and then Orange Cassidy comes out of nowhere with the orange punch which has no effect on John Moxley and this shocks Cassidy. He is he is stunned. He is stunned dogged and he Moxley just stays on his feet, drills Cassidy and then overcomes the red rum. Yuta breaks it up and the Death Rider followed by the seatbelt pins Uh, uh, Yuta pins Hook in 11 minutes and 29 seconds, which should set up Yuta at least going for this FTW title at some time, maybe Mm -hmm. maybe thrown onto Saturday's card. Uh, Mm -hmm. A really enjoyable opener. And the story here is that um, Orange Cassidy was like spooked here that his orange punch, it's like his hand is back to back to 100 percent, but it had no impact on Moxley, who is uh, Mm -hmm. not like a titanium skull. Uh, I guess that time off, you know, um, he, he was working Built on the head after the concussion. Yeah. Really good match. I thought <laughs> that that might be the story. He got a concussion and he's like regenerated his like yeah. <laughs> his head. He's figured it out. He's figured That's... out how to defend against head trauma. Yeah. This is like some Terminator 2 like logic. This is something. Um, I thought the BCC were portrayed as very convincing favorites, as usual, in these style of uh, tag team matches. And I thought Orange and Hook played really great underdogs that you want to see mm, sort of rise up to match the BCC's level of intensity and aggression. It was the type of match um, where they were kind of blown out here, you know, like as usual, when you're going up against a John Moxley, like 
they just destroy and and it's up to the baby faces to, to try to live up to them but despite that like the baby faces are still very um you still want to cheer for them you know it's like you're um you're watching somebody like make it to the final level of, of a video game and even if it takes them like 10 different tries you're still cheering them on because they get closer and closer every time and that's the effect of i think a bcc match especially john moxley who really does especially in a match like this feel like a final boss type of um you know type of type of competitor where um no selling for that orange punch i thought was a wonderful little sort of moment they made out of nothing that um will likely prompt maybe orange cassidy to have to add an extra element to his orange punches you know in this uh street fight it's not a video game street fight is it this one isn't this just a straight up match i thought it was like some sort of a texas death match or what or am i thinking of a texas death match is a hangman and swerve oh okay okay so well, he's going to have to have to add some sort of wrinkle, I suppose, to, to this Orange love. Cassidy. Uh, yeah, yeah, to fit the video game theme. I thought Yuta and Hook looked really good uh, together. Uh, I thought these guys well. were great for the time that they had together, and I'm pretty sure we'll get a singles match out of this. Yeah. Moxley gets on the mic, tells Orange Cassidy he is nothing, and he's going to put the world back on its axis, and he's going to grind him into dust and leave him as champion. And he mentioned... Uh, access not putting the world onto access tv oh thank goodness yes mm. the golden jets arrive at the arena with a bushy and white this slow like reservoir dogs walk towards the arena and then tony shivani brings out swerve strickland with prince nana and hangman page and there's no physicality allowed between the two or else they're both off the pay-per-view and suspended for the rest of the year so they go face to face and Tony reminds them of the rules, and Hangman just rips the mic away from Swerve, calls him a coward and a fraud, a worthless waste of human life. And you're dumber than two years ago when your dumbass got fired and says you don't have it in you to be champion because you can't cut it. You're not the man you think you are. There's a reason your fiance left you and your kids don't speak to you. The crowd is just ooing at this line says that Prince Nana is just using Swerve. He comes out, does a funny dance, sells shirts, and then makes money off of Swerve to go outside and buy weed off of a high school kid. Well, Paige is going to beat Swerve and then steal his weed. And this had Nana perplexed that his weed was going to be in jeopardy. And Paige calls Swerve a child. And I know a lot about children. I taught kids many lessons, and I'm going to teach you a lesson on Saturday that you should have never come into my house and we don't need lawyers or cops because at full gear, I'm your judge, your jury, your executioner. And I'm going to make Swerve's house in the bottom of hell. And he slams the mic down, big exclamation point. But then he comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, another thing, another thing. There's no rule that says I can't touch Prince Nana. So he attacks Nana. Swerve can't do anything. A great spot. Security enters. Paige attacks them, including a buckshot lariat. Um I thought this was the best segment on the show. I thought this was great. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of tonight's show being a go-home show, what was the most effective thing for the pay-per-view? I thought this was it. I think this might have been the best program um, built heading into the pay-per-view. Um, the fact that like Swerve didn't get to respond, I didn't even have any issue with. Because I think Swerve already made his statement when he broke into the man's baby's nursery you know there's really nothing more he could have said that could have made 
something feel worse than what he did uh this has now become i mean it was always a revenge story and all it needs is just kind of that expression of fire and intensity from the guy who was wronged looking for that revenge and page delivered it here excellent promo from him he's very convincingly maintaining this sort of like unimaginable rage of of a man whose family has been threatened you know he this in 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 wrestling's past has kind of been mm, it's been kind of ridiculous anytime we've had a, a home invasion and it's rare that like we actually have follow through following a home invasion that actually feels i'm not going to say real but at least like serious and i think pages this is your favorite home invasion angle um, I mean, I think Pillman and, and Austin are, are are still going to be maybe uh you know more fondly remembered, but this is up there certainly. Um, that should really be a, a a top ten, you know, top ten wrestling home invasions. Um, but it's you, more. You think of all the people on the roster, like the guy with the cowboy gimmick would be the guy that would like have guns in the house, and that if you broke into, you would be risking. Well, he he's um, it seems like he's a he's a very um, modern cowboy, I suppose. You know, he's he's more of a maybe he does have guns we don't know this i mean the baby can't use the gun right so it wouldn't have mattered anyway i thought pages like reactions have been really good here he's been the one that's able to kind of take this what could have been a very cartoonish angle and he's made it feel very serious i love the logic in setting up the attack on prince nana and sort of not being able to do anything about it um very clever and something pretty unique considering we've seen so many of these sort of face-to-face contract signings in the past and i don't recall anybody doing something like this so really good segment overall yes did you prefer this over a if the two of them had met at an undisclosed location for a warrior's tea ceremony, oh, I did not catch it. So how was that? I mean, they sat down and they had tea and they cut promos on each other. Yes. Okay. It was, um, I, I won't say it was great. It was, I, I think they're certainly in the mindset of how can we do a contract signing without doing a contract signing? Sure. What, what are different ideas we can do? Like mm-hmm. rules of engagement, like anything that can get us away from contract signing. Yeah. Lexi Nair interviewed Roderick Strong in the kingdom. So let me just rewind. So Roderick Strong does his first match back on collision on Saturday against Darius Martin. He gets up from the wheelchair, takes off his neck brace, has the match, looks great, wins the He's match. He's had matches, I think, before since the neck injury. Okay. Well, it it doesn't defeat my point. Like, what are like? Are we supposed to believe he's injured? Like, what is he's not he, injured? He's he's faking it. He's for sympathy for, for Adam specifically. But Adam can't. Adam can't see him wrestling. So when you when you watch, I guess the, this uh, Kingdom uh, Roderick Strong character. I mean, a lot of it is just sort of mm, it's comedy. It's you know. I mean, Adam Cole saw Roderick Strong compete even before, you know, helping him uh, move his furniture. So he's aware. Why, why, did he, why did he help him out so much? He was like basically kidnapped in his and like kept in his house for days to put off his surgery. It's just it's part of the joke. You know, the fact that he he's clearly healthy, but still pretends he's not. Okay. Strong knows who the devil is and he's going to call Adam. So we get Adam on FaceTime. And mentions his win over Darius at Collision. And he says, MJF is the devil. Cole doesn't want to hear any of it. And ends up hanging up on Strong after he suggests maybe Roderick's the devil. And Roderick promises on his life that it's MJF as Cole hangs up. So 
if it turns out to not be MJF, Strong has to give up his life. Um, I guess so. That was the stipulation here. Yes. I guess so. If you made a promise. Sky Blue versus Red Velvet. The winner enters the TBS triple threat on Saturday. So this match had, I had a lot of things to uh, say about this match. So Statlander is shown watching in the back. The first couple of minutes of this match, it's, it's, it's pretty slow. It's, they're just trying to get things going. And then they start doing the like multiple reverse covers. And by the end of this long sequence, like the crowd is actually like getting into this and then they pop up to their feet and they go for a double head kick spot, which just looked terrible. And they both go down and it was like, you had the crowd, they were going up, up. And it was like, Oh, so they go down and then it's the red velvet show here. She misses this spinning roundhouse, avoids the code blue, but then is caught with the sky fall by sky blue. And we get into some like believable near falls here. And then there's a step up knee that red velvet catches nails her with a power bomb. And then her big spot is a twisting Casadora off of the turnbuckle that I think everyone bought that red velvet was going to win this with. Uh, it looked great. And then after a super kick by red velvet, following the kick out, there's a roundhouse that is caught by Sky Blue, lands the knee, and I was like thinking, like, this has been a roller coaster of a match, but man, are they going to like end on this like high note? And then it's this rough looking Code Blue at 10:34, which I guess we've had a couple of instances now of uh, Sky Blue having some difficulties with this finisher, and she wins it in 10:34 to advance to the three way. So. I thought this match, like, it certainly had some moments to it, but I thought there was also some sloppy stuff in this. I think they're very ambitious with, with these sort of matches where they cram a lot of stuff in and they work, I, I would say, for the most part, like, to a pretty quick pace. Um, and I feel like they nailed almost everything. Um, almost, you know, John. Um, and of a, a particular note, for me at least, was, of course, the finish. And that was just almost a shame. But I thought that they did get this crowd, John. You know, they got it. This is awesome chant. Even by the time after that failed Code, code Blue, these crowds were, like, almost, like, giving them, like, you know, very polite applause as if, like, they were respecting the effort both of these two gave. So I was personally impressed by the both of them. I thought it was a good match. Well, we go to Miro, who explains he loves CJ, but she's bringing in a storm. She wants gold and fame, and he used to let her do what she wanted, but she brings out the worst in herself and the worst in me. And his target is Daniel Garcia, because Daniel Garcia danced in front of CJ on Collision and said that you can dance, but you will be peacefully beheaded on Collision. Peacefully. Yeah, he's well, going over the guy. He's going after the guy that that danced with her, but not the guy that she has signed in Andrade. I think that I think that's eventually going to come. He's on the to do list. Yeah, right. Okay, so Daniel Garcia and Miro on Saturday or Friday. Friday. RJ City is with Mariah May and has orchestrated this meeting with Tony Storm. So when they open the door, that's when we go into Tony's black and white world and. um Man, it's like it's not just the like the the filter here. Like they also seem to like play with the the audio too mm-hmm. on top of it. Like the it's, audio filter. It's yeah. like they're putting a lot of work into these uh, segments. Mm-hmm. And to, uh, Mariah May is just like 
losing her mind and Tony Storm has no idea who this woman is and obviously canceled stardom world years ago when she left the company. But Mariah may explains that <laughs> I went to stardom just like you and Tony storm basically just blows her off and like, nah, yeah, yeah, nice to meet you. And then Tony storm summons Luther to contact head of the studio, Mr. Khan to book her into a tune-up match on Friday night. I, I thought this was great. Like I, I think the gimmick has already been very good, but the extra production AEW has provided has definitely helped enhance it. And I think it's been well done. You know, everything they've done with storm between this and the silent films in the picture in picture, I think has, I mean, it's a it's a gimmick that almost like um demands overproduction, but I think they managed to like toe that line really well where everything has just really been well done in my opinion. So this was we we got the meeting. It was a decent second second chapter, and uh, I look forward to seeing more between these two. Do you see that this character having like legs to it? Like this can be a like can they go a long time with with Tony Storm? Do you worry about this just becoming too much? Like the character just takes over uh mm-hmm. in, in terms of like the presentation and such like it feels like it's it's it, it's fresh everyone is enjoying this character now can you preserve this for the long term well look what they've done with orange cassidy you know that was a something that was all gimmick and, and i think they managed to develop that into a pretty fully fleshed out character certainly right now with a uh, tony storm there to introduce the character i think you need all these elements to make her just kind of stand out and to tell the audience who she is um and right now she's a heel, but there's a big baby face run that the audience, I think, is already waiting for from her. So um, I, I think they could go like quite a while, but it depends on how they continue to evolve it. They can't just rely on this forever. No. Samoa Joe took on John Cruz, the unmasked Serpentico. And this guy is a total baby face. This crowd and granted they were in Southern California here, but I think that this guy is going to get similar reactions uh, wherever he goes. Um, they are going to do the update on the ROH title on Thursday's episode, but zero mention of it here. But I guess if you have nothing to announce it, uh, not really worth bringing it up here on the list of announcements. Tony has to give that that's like yeah, number that's right. 15. So he yeah. did the walk off. The walk off was actually really good because Cruz is like turning his head like he's like Superman flying next to the airplane as he yeah. watches Joe. He's great. John Cruz, Serpentico, he's great. Yeah, perfect. And Larry at Coquina Clutch in 90 seconds. Joe wins, cuts a promo, noting he's from Southern California, extends his offer of friendship to MJF, but the time is limited and MJF will soon find out if he has his friendship or not. I am inevitable. Mm. I think Joe is so much fun to watch in these sort of uh, jobber squash match types of settings. I mean, he just has so much cocky charisma that just completely uh, is perfect, perfectly suited for these types of matches. And you're right. Sooner or later, um, I think he's going to be a big baby face, but not until he takes on MJF, of course. They went over the announcement of the Continental Classic, an announcement on Saturday that was not promoted as an announcement ahead of time. Yeah, look, very well received, I would say, overall. Yes. I thought they would um at least tell us like who some of the other participants were because it starts next week. Yeah, I mean, um I was thinking maybe maybe the pre-sale for well, I guess all tickets are on sale including for World's End, so they can't promote any pre-sales. No. No. Penta El Zero Miedo and Commander versus the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks parents are in the front row and Shivani mentions that Tony Khan has a signing 
that he is going to announce at full gear. So they threw that out here during the match. After the opening minute, the four shake hands, but then the Bucks super kick them, and then Matt and Nick shake each other's hands, and then this thing just exploded for the next uh, 12 minutes. There's a, I'll do my best to go through some of the, the greatest hits here. We have a double team wheelbarrow into a face buster on commander. Uh, I thought this was one of commander's best performances in AEW. I mean, him and Penta work so well together. And this was to me, a big showcase for, for commander. I mean, all four had their moments, but I, I thought he really stepped up and was easily on par with everyone here. Commander hops up the ropes for a Rana to mat off the top from there tight ropes across the top sending Nick off the apron with a Rana into Matt Jackson he did this flawlessly it was great the transition from one to the other which totally could have been just knocked off balance like one one bad step and it would have been a mess commander then comes off the shoulders of Penta and makes the salute in midair before landing a double DDT on the Bucks Penta follows with Made in Japan that Taz questions that he was made in Mexico. And Matt makes the save on Nick. Crowd is going super wild for this. Commander sends Matt into Nick on the apron, avoiding the Meltzer driver, which Taz asks, did you say Seltzer driver? He did not. No. Fear Factor is hit to Nick on the edge. And then uh, Commander kicks off the back of Matt onto Penta's shoulders into a destroyer on Nick from the top. And then we see a springboard by Commander into a low blow by Nick, who follows with a low kick into Penta, and the Bucks manage to get their hometown crowd to boo them, and then hits the Judas effect onto Commander as a message to Chris Jericho. They go for the BTE trigger, hit Commander, and get the win in 11 minutes and 58 seconds. Uh, this is a really, really excellent, you know, Bucks Lucha Brothers style match, but with the sort of like fresh wrinkle of having Commander in place of Phoenix here. Uh, I certainly thought he stole the show for me. You know, he had the most spectacular spots, that diving double DDT and that destroyer off of Penta's shoulders, just really amazing. And this was not just maybe a spot fest. It was a match that actually gave you a bit of substance for storytelling here with Nick playing dirty and certainly leading heel here, you know, in this uh, upcoming match with the uh, Golden Jets and doing the Judas effects. And um, still, though, um, maybe doing the thing where they think that they're they think of themselves as the baby faces as they walk up the ramp, still portraying themselves as like the hometown heroes signing kids shoes. Um, and, and just basically ignoring that they've turned. Maybe they'll come out in a uh, Celtics colors on Saturday. Ooh. Ouch. Lexi Nair interviews the bucks after the break and asks, why did you cheat in your hometown? And they don't give a damn about what, what, to not say or don't do, they're throwing out all the restrictions. And Omega comes in scolding them for doing that in front of your family. And they're like, dude, <laughs> you are such a hypocrite. How did you find all your success? And they they tell Kenny, our heat is with Jericho, not you. So once you guys lose and the Golden Jets are broken up, we can do the elite thing again. And Jericho comes in, tells Omega, don't waste your time with these jackasses and calls them kids and then they shove Jericho and have to have a big pull apart uh, just moments before this uh, street fight that's uh, coming up soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The guns destroyed Peter Avalon and Jacoby Watts in 21 seconds with the 310 to Yuma. Watts is tossed out and they get on the microphone stating that was two on two. What's going to happen when MJF is all alone against both of us on the zero hour? They are taking the ROH tag titles. Wardlow feature. He's training. 
He saw fear in the devil's eyes and MJF's time is running out and he's going to make the devil his bitch. And then we cut to the devil mask at the end of this feature. So Wardlow is uh, is looming. <laughs> Powerhouse Hobbs, Kanosuke Takeshita, Kyle Fletcher and Brian Cage against Jericho, Omega, Kota Bushi, and Paul White. A like a dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name, Street Fight. So we had Jericho and Paul White who are not the Golden Jets. They were in their uh, suits, which I guess was a tie-in for this game of some sort. But yeah. Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi did not participate in this uniform. Uh, um, unless they they have um, guys that look like them um, in the game. You know who I was thinking about who should have been the fourth man on, on this team instead of Paul White in a suit? Loki. Seems like we got a like a dragon guiding street fight. Oh, he'd be perfect in this. Oh my god, he was made for this. I mean, I couldn't yeah. help but think of Loki during this. So they all are out. Um, Paul White made it to the ring. He uh, he walked out, and then um, it, not really. He well, pretty much stayed up on the on the ramp and just let everybody come to him. You know, did he not walk down to the ring? He did not go to the ring. No. That's right. He yeah, he did stay up there. He he did. He, you know what I'm mistaking it with? The walk was the slow motion walk towards the arena that we got earlier. <laughs> yes, that was, the reservoir I, knew dogs. I saw him walk at okay. some point, and it was like the, the frame rate was definitely slowed down. He walked so, in slow motion, yes. Excalibur does mention that Jericho drew first blood beating Takeshita at Ultimate Party. So we did get a mention of the match. Mm-hmm. Um, this certainly did not play into in terms of like the mutual respect and handshake at the end. And now they're murdering each other in the concession area and using every weapon on one another. So felt like yeah. that that part was not part of the story. Because nobody knows about it. No, I mean, it like you do kind of look at it as like. I, I guess this was. Like, I think it was more so done for the DDT audience. I mean, I can imagine Jericho coming in as sort of like the big superstar and um, Takeshita taking the big superstar to his limit, but leaving with the mutual, the respect. Like, I felt that was just more for the DDT audience rather than this it was, AEW. This was like, it was a lot for Jericho to do all this in the span of like, what, five days? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Callus is on commentary and... He just explains that Jericho won because he's been paying off refs in Japan for years and Don Callis wasn't there to uh, make sure everything was smooth. Uh, some of the highlights. Uh, Paul White chokeslammed Kyle Fletcher off the stage. That was his big offensive maneuver of the match. Uh, Omega and Abushi did the cross slash in the ring, which was a... Uh, this not was time. really awkward. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't even put it all so much on uh, Kota Abushi, which I think um, maybe... <laughs> Okay, so he, he was definitely the slower of the two here, but this so was, uh, even before the actual dive itself, there was some clear miscommunication of where people were supposed to be. And I'm mm-hmm. assuming it was Brian Cage that wasn't in the right position because you had the most awkward, long, drawn out pause as Ibushi was just like, Am I supposed to really do this now? There's nobody there to catch me, right? So everything all was the just people that might have just okay, no one's there. I'm just gonna do it anyway. <laughs> might have been the guy to just do it. To get in a match with the invisible man. i hit him we cut to paul white and hobbs who are now outside the arena by a car um more to come later abushi then comes down the ramp on a bicycle an actual bicycle they had all these props out there for this was very much a tie into the video game where you can use a a a bike different signs a bicycle so he rides down with a pipe and dude had the biggest grin on his face he was having the time of his life and then 
hit Kyle Fletcher and Konosuke Takeshita with the lightest pipe shots you will ever see. I mean, this was basically him delivering a newspaper to these guys. Uh, Cage clotheslines him off the bike. That was the end of the smile. And then Hobbs, we go to the back. He has lifted up Paul White and he drops him onto the hood of this car and he rolls off. That was the end of Paul White. And I do not mean from this match. I mean, no, this is the end of Paul White and it should be. This poor guy. Listen, I, great. They, he has a role in this company. He does not need to be doing this stuff at this point. Look, this guy has had like hip replacements all for this spot. I'd be like, no way. This is just, he had no business being in this. I understand he's like the big monster. There was no need for this. So I think the the only reason why you would justify having Paul White in a match like this is so that you can have Power Hobbs, Powerhouse Hobbs do the Hogan Andre spot, right? Problem um with this was that it was in the back and I don't think it elicited it wasn't built up. It took on it took place pretty early in the match itself. Um and it was in the back. So I don't think you had that immediate like big audience reaction to something like this. If they could if they instead teased it throughout the match and then finally delivered it like a traditional like Hogan Andre spot. I think that in it itself would have been enough to leave a lasting memory. He didn't need to go through a car, you know, he didn't have to like do, do all the shit, but um, I guess in a street fight, they wanted him, him to be out relatively early. Ultimately, I, 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 I do question like Paul White's inclusion in something like this. And I don't think it was really that effective by the end. I, I think you could have gotten away with like just three on three with no Brian cage or just you find somebody else. It was, like dude this is probably not going to be like the most remembered spot in this match but i promise you paul white just seeing him go around i'm sure this was this is just going to be a killer to wake up uh after that this was not like some just seamless uh fall that was all protected and stuff i was like this, it was a this car. like it sucked <laughs> like he, yeah. and then rolled off of it to the concrete floor um man so that was the end of Paul White in the match. And I don't know where Hobbs went for like 15 minutes, but then he showed up back in the ring. He it was really help. strange. He was like being like he was there. They're barking at, at, at White, you know, and, and being held back. And I mean, I guess why, <laughs> you know, maybe he yelled at him for like another 10 minutes before he realized yeah. the match was still going on. Kanosuke Takeshita uses the actual physical bicycle to attack Omega Jericho Nabushi, including delivering a brain buster to Ibushi onto the bicycle. Uh, Jericho and Kenosuke Takeshita make their way to the concession area. Um, this is what Paul White should have been wearing those, those yellow neon pants. Oh, maybe, sure. This this looks like, uh, Hmm. this looks like, uh, Young and Dundas. Um, probably not, but no, probably not. Then there's a suplex onto a, a plastic, uh, pallet by, uh, that Kenny takes. So Kenny gets a beer bottle. And he smashes it over Kyle Fletcher's head. Fletcher's bleeding. They explain that Omega's hand is bleeding. I I pray that this was not the case, that they used a, a beer bottle. Oh, I can't imagine. I, I think it broke, didn't it? Didn't it, it definitely shattered? broke. And it didn't have like the crazy explosion like the, the gimmicked ones do. But I just, I couldn't see up close on his hand. But the announcers kept saying how he cut open his hand on the beer bottle. And Fletcher was like all busted open from this. Um but nonetheless, they continued. There were more broken bottles to come. Uh, Takeshita came off a drink machine in the concession area. We see a golden trigger to Brian Cage get stopped when Hobbs make his, makes his miraculous return and hits the 
World's Strongest Slam onto Kenny Omega. Cage does a superplex to Omega from the apron through two tables Insane. on the floor. This was Insane. nuts. Spinebusters delivered by Hobbs onto Ibushi. Go through another picture-in-picture. Kyle Fletcher takes Kota Ibushi, and we've got all these chairs set up on the floor with a sign over top, and he comes off the edge of the apron with a tombstone down onto these chairs. Judas Effect hits Hobbs, but he stays on his feet, so Omega and Jericho duct tape Hobbs and shut his mouth with the duct tape, attack him with with, uh, weapons, including another bottle. Omega stops the drill claw. We see a bat shot from Jericho, Poison Rana, V-Trigger, and then the one-winged angel onto Brian Cage as Omega gets the pinfall, and they prevail. And Don Callis says that Brian Cage screwed the family tonight. <laughs> Always and, putting the out on, on the person who's actually not in the stable, which is yes. and very the funny. Three, the three survivors celebrated because Paul White was uh, he, Paul White was done. We may, we may never yeah. see Paul White wrestle again. Oh, man. Yeah. I thought this match was a lot of fun, you know, much like the anarchy in the arena or stadium stampede. I thought they created the element of um, spectacle in this one had a lot of creative spots, a lot of risk taken, a lot of risk. I that I a lot of risk. taken. might this have not like even a, be a match that everyone was probably hurting from. Like they did a lot of stuff. In this it was one. almost it was definitely a concerning amount for some people. Um, but that's sort of the expectation now, John, you know, for any of these types of matches, you need to deliver things that are um, memorable, certainly first and foremost, um, and to a certain level of risk. So they managed to do that. I thought it was engaging, entertaining and memorable, which is about as as much as you can ask of, um, you know, promotional tie in type of match. How did Kota Ibushi look to you in, in this match? At this point, my expectations are pretty tempered, you know, with with uh, modern day Kota Ibushi. So, and I thought he looked fine. And I mean, let's let's keep in mind the man's still doing mood salts. You know, he's still doing things like that. He's not the sort of like mm, best in the world type of performer that I think we all, um, you know, at one point thought of him as. But he's still good enough for this sort of role, I think. And by the way, Tony Khan announced that uh, Kota Ibushi is officially all elite after this match. Okay. Whatever that means. Yeah. I mean, Coda did kind of like said that he had like signed a deal around like blood and guts. Um, mm. And, you know, that they had, they, they made a lot of concessions to his schedule and wanting to live in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, I think Kota Bushi, I think he left New Japan at, at the right time. Um, but he's going to a company where it's not like, like, quite frankly, if the door was open, this may have, like, if you're looking for, one big final run in a major company, this might've been the time to go to a WWE if they had interest where you can get away with a lot less Um, with AEW. Like he is going to need to be in big matches. And I don't think you can always camouflage him in a setting like this. And like, certainly this is not the Koto Bushi of three years ago. I mean, but WWE it's, I, I, I don't know how, how they would have pushed him as a, as, a, as a character. You know what I mean? Um, the language barrier is always going to be a, a big thing. And, you know, they're just figuring out with Shinsuke Nakamura. And I don't know if they would have seen the same type of like storytelling. Um, it, it, it's a huge gamble, but I think it would have been a easier expectation level as well that he could get away with doing a lot of shortcuts but Um, in AEW, he has like he's already a name that i would say more of the AEW audience probably knows and he does have the attachments to kenny omega that um you can use to tell stories and and at this point i don't even expect him to be much more than a special attraction like to occasionally attach to a kenny omega like what he should be doing 
It's like mm-hmm. he should not and he won't be a, a regular weekly character. And it's probably best that he just you isolate a handful of matches a year that you can move him into. And uh, and that concluded it like a wild street fight that certainly delivered on the on the violence quotient. And I'm sure the video game creators love this. Yeah, this was I mean, the last time they did this was for uh, what is it? Um, Halloween, the, uh, the, the 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 thing with Jarrett. And Jeff Hardy, remember that? Oh, uh, it was that's all right. red. Yes, uh, th- this went over better than that. This was much better than that. So you know, uh, or was that Texas Chainsaw Massacre or whatever? It was. Um, yeah, I thought Brian Cage was really entertaining in this match too. Like he, he kind of is like he really Just had a child this week. week. What a way to celebrate! Bunch of uh babies of like Corey Graves and Carmella, Carl Anderson, and uh, and Brian Cage. So congratulations to all of them. All right. Do you realize this week? So Jericho flies to Japan, has an incredible match with Takeshita, comes back, does this on Wednesday, and now has the Bucks match on Saturday. That's 53. Wow. Like that it's is really amazing. a lot in a seven-day period for him. Mm-hmm. Collision on Friday will feature Dax Harwood against Roosh, which should be very good. Miro against Daniel Garcia in a peaceful beheading match. And Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander against Soraya and Ruby Soho. Then Rampage, which starts at 10. Renee Paquette will do sit-down interviews with MJF and Jay White separately. Tony Storm in her tune-up match against Amy Sakura. And Tony Khan will make uh, will announce more matches. Right. That's not the big announcement. That's, you got to pay for that one on Saturday. So that's your three-hour block on Friday night. So... I don't think they're they're throwing everything at this Friday night block. I think they realize this is not one to our focus is Saturday. Hmm. Final segment, MJF comes out and does just a total babyface mission statement. He cannot outrun his past. I've opened myself up, but in doing so, I've gotten people hurt like Adam Cole and the acclaimed apologizes to the acclaimed who are caught in the crossfires of my life. He spent his whole life trying to become world champion. But being on top of this mountain, the air is thin and it's daunting with all of these people climbing up with the intention of pushing me off. And I'm man enough to admit that I'm afraid of losing everything and letting you people down. And the crowd chants, he's our scumbag. He says that the old version of himself would run away from this, but he's not going to let his history dictate his present or his future. He is afraid, but he's not willing to give up his spot. And you will, you will need an army to get me off the top of this mountain. I thought this was all leading to Darby Allen and they're going to have a Mount Everest battle for the AEW championship, the top of the mountain match. Forget the king of the mountain. I mean, it's the biggest match is getting up there. I mean, but sure. Okay. He doesn't think that Jay White can beat him and says that to the man who stole my devil mask, there's only one of these devil masks that exist. I will find out who you are and there will be hell to pay. Mm. Hmm. Jay White comes out, says that MJF has never been the hero. You've always been the villain. You're not fooling me. I know you're the devil. You're not the people's hero or scumbag. They will drop you in a second and knows that the fans mean nothing to you. You've never changed. I'm speaking truth and your days as champion are numbered. And he says, I've got two words for you. Get them and sends the Bullet Club Gold to storm the ring. They beat down MJF. And then MJF is firing back, and then he takes a second to pose on the rope and then turns around into the left hand of God. He is hit with a 310 to Yuma, and MJF is left laying as Juice, uh, uh, sorry, 
Jay White runs in, hits the Blade Runner, and Juice counts three. So your unofficial 24-7 champion, Jay White, holds up the title, and it ends with a shot of Samoa Joe watching in the back as Bullet Club Gold stand tall going into Saturday. Right. So the mystery is still about um, who will be teaming up with MJF against the guns. Um, who will be MJF's partner? Who is the devil? And who is Tony Khan signed? It's a it's right. a company of surprises. The devil, we're not going to find out, out on Saturday. But, you know, heading into Saturday, we at least have those two things. Right. Um, I thought as a go home segment, it, it was fairly standard. And I don't think there were really notable sort of lines or actions taken by either person to heighten or decrease my interest in the match much at all um i would even say it was a bit of a flat end to the show after the heights of the the street fight but you should end the go home show on the big you know closing segment of the main event i thought i thought it was a a better promo than normal from jay white i thought he was very good in, in this role it was sort of like if, you, if you're into this story like this was just like but your, your final words i don't know if this was changing anyone's mind on uh buying the pay-per-view or not but this was you know just your your go-home promos and uh maybe maybe you wanted more out of this but i i yeah, well you know. i i did because i thought jay white's last promo talking about mjf was a lot more um in depth and and a lot more personal you know attacking jay white about his uh insecurity and always needing approval this was just kind of more your standard i'm gonna beat you you know, and then here's my catchphrase, like type of thing. So that ended the show. And how did you think this uh, measured up, especially as a go home show? Like this was a show that, um, you know, you were you were trying to balance a lot of things. You were doing a really big match that was sort of the culmination of the this Don Callis family program with Kenny Omega, while also pushing uh, his program with the Bucks with Jericho. Um, I thought it was fine overall to be honest like my big attraction heading into the match uh, this show was the street fight which re- really didn't have anything to do with um the pay-per-view i mean the golden jets are not facing anybody related to the callus family they're facing the bucks so i don't think it really heightened my interest for that particular match as i mentioned like the jay white mjf angle has been i I'd, I'd kind of graded at like maybe a seven john you know if we're we're talking about um title match angles um i i don't think they they meaningfully made it feel like the biggest match on the show uh whereas i think swerve versus page to me did has done a great job and um i think that's been the best built feud heading into this event if we're going with the the relative range of one hundred forty thousand buys let's just like in in that ballpark Mm -hmm. this year that they've hit several times are you going higher or lower for full gear 140 sorry 140,000 buys. 40,000. And what did the last show do? Wrestle Dream was below that. I'm going to say below. I think so too. I feel it's going to be a bit under. Yeah, I again, Jay White versus MJF to me is not um not the far from the best match that they could be promoting. Um Mox versus Cassidy is is fine, but it's a match that I think we've all seen before and it's firmly sort of like on the undercard. Shall we just go through the card right now? Yes. I'll, I'll just add that unlike Wrestle Dream, like what this pay-per-view has going for it, it's on a Saturday as opposed to a Sunday. So they're not going against the NFL. Mm. Um, they, I mean, there is still things on Saturday, but it is probably a better night for them. It's also been a longer period. Like we're talking like six weeks since the last uh, AEW pay-per-view. So maybe you do have a more uh, re-energized fan base that is ready to spend 50 bucks on, on a pay-per-view uh, and 
it is a really good lineup on paper. Like even if like I would say the the buys, you certainly like there is a clear main event on this show as it's been promoted. And that is, I think, what you will attribute the success or not of this show. But if you're looking at this whole card, like it's it it looks like a very strong card on paper. Um, so let's anyway. go through it. So main event, MJF and Jay White for the AEW championship. Um, I think this is the one where I think it'll be interesting to see how well they can get Jay White across in terms of like, I see this match being like your 25, 30 minutes. And mm-hmm. I think it'll be like a really hell of a match. Um, but you also have Jay White. That's not everyone's cup of tea. I think he's excellent in these situations. And I think this is going to be a really strong match, but you are going to be fighting a, you're going to have to reel in your audience. That is not believing we are seeing a title change here to really bite on those near falls. And I, I think they will get there. I think this is going to be, a hell of a match. And I hope it is just not overwrought with bullet club gold and all the other stuff that I think people are going to expect in this match. Yeah, you'll certainly get that. Um, but you'll also have NJF, you know, fighting them off. And I don't even look at that as a negative. Like it's it when used well, it's it's a great enhancement for, you know, the baby faces comeback. So, I mean, it's an MJF pay-per-view match, which uh, are almost always really excellent. Jay White also in these sort of a uh, long match, 30 minute situations are also, is also really good. So I think the in-ring content will be great. I, again, don't really feel like my interest is where it should be for an AEW pay-per-view headlining match. I think the, the, the build has been certainly, you know, you could say unfocused just between everything, the controversy, uh, whether or not intentional stemming from the whole juice Robinson thing to the multiple directions uh, with the, with the devil, which I, I, you know, I, I don't think has completely clicked just yet. Um, And all of other, like, you know, all of MJF's other sort of, um, storylines at the moment i don't think they've really hit hard enough the idea that because mjf is so unfocused he could lose the championship i think that that was the strongest thing that they might have been able to use to build jay white's chances um as it exists it just really feels like a title defense to me ricky starts and big bill versus roosh and drillistico ftr and malachi black and brody king four-way match for the aew tag titles um see this one going late in in the card um i think that ricky starts and big bill i don't see a strong enough reason to just get the belts back on ftr um i mean you could put them on roosh and drillistico but personally i'd like to see roosh get a bit of a a singles run at at this time i think that now that he is back um i i I like keeping the belts on starts and big bill i just don't see an argument um to just switch them here for the sake of it. I don't even think the story is with Starks and Big Bill. I mean, the the, the feud is between FTR and King, Kings of the uh, or, or uh, House of Black. So um, they'll probably break off with each other without the need for the championship. Although, you know what? Like Aren't the House of Black also feuding with the BCC. Wasn't that uh, we're also doing that? Remember? Remember when they attacked all the BCC members? Did they dropped that. They haven't dropped it. Claudio and Yuta have still gotten involved with them, but Danielson's out. Mox is preoccupied. Right. So, okay, well, I guess they're focused. Yeah, because FTR was teaming with the, uh, for at least one week, the back, uh, Blackpool Combat Club. So yes. maybe they might pick that back up. But, you know, it's very possible that they'll give it back to, they'll give it to House of Black. But I, I, I do feel like they'll, they have the titles on Ricky Starks and Big Bill for a reason. And that's probably to tell a bigger story with the two of them outside of FTR and, uh, House of Black. So I probably have those guys retain. Um, but this too is like, 
I, I, I've not really been, I don't think it's been re- really well built up, but it, it, you know, it's one of those matches where you just know, okay, the, the participants are really good. The match should be really good, but I, I don't think story-wise it's been great. Chris Statlander, Julia Hart, sky blue for the TBS championship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, interest, interest for this one is not that high either again, John. Um, but I think in ring, it could be good. I think you're talking about sky blue and Julia Hart, two very young competitors that have in, improved greatly, um, over the time we've seen them over the past year. So this continues to be another really good showcase for them. Well, they continue to tell a story between, uh, how corrupted, you know, sky blue might exactly be. They've kind of settled that, haven't they? She's only what, uh, 10% corrupted. She's corrupted. Um, she still has the eye. They, they've corrupted the, the code blue. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I mean, I don't know. How have you felt about the, the story? I, I, I don't think the story has been all that great. I think this is one of those where it's okay. Here, here's a storyline for the women's division. I was like, it, it hasn't been that great of a, of a storyline. I will say, I think the audience is into Julia Hart. Like, I think she yeah. has genuinely made improvements. I think people like the character. Um, Sky Blue, I, I I think Sky Blue, listen, um, I, I can only share, like, what would I observe in these matches. But I do think she is a very good performer. I have seen her go into some very cold settings and win over crowds. Um, but now you are switching her to to a heel, which is, you know, a, a deviation from that. Um, yeah, you know, she, they, they have a chance to, like, Chris Statlander is very... She's a baby face. Sky blue? It's yeah. Sort she, of. She, she spat blue mist. She's 90% baby face. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, I, I don't even think the, 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 the story is, is really that important. It, it's more just wow. the, the match. And what have we been right? doing for two months? <laughs> Putting them on TV and letting people know who they are, you know? Um, so I, I think there's enough um, interest. Well, in will this match actual... air at 9.15 on the pay-per-view? Is that the bad spot? 915. I'm just saying, do they they follow the TV format on a pay-per-view? Uh, probably a bit later, I suppose. All right. The Golden Jets against the Young Bucks. If the Golden Jets win, they get the Young Bucks tag title shot. And if the Bucks win, the Golden Jets must disband as a team. So I see Jericho and Omega winning this one. And I guess you could argue if if we're going that we have to do some assumptions here of um, you know, Omega and Jericho going for the tag titles. Is that Ricky Starts and Big Bill? Or do you see a title change there but i see jericho and omega winning this one um and this one has to deliver in a big way and this could be i mean that'd be quite the week for chris jericho if he comes out and has another killer match because he's had two pretty great ones this week yeah i guess the question i ask is yeah beyond this match what are the storylines for everybody you know um if jericho and omega lose they can no longer team up and is that um going to create um, I guess further fuel for dissent between Omega and the Bucks, and what's that feud like? What what more can you do? I suppose with Omega and the Bucks after something like this, uh, and after everything they've already done together. Um, otherwise, we have the Golden Jets winning, and that would send the Bucks maybe further to their heel personas, perhaps. Um, I picking or, or do you just break up the golden jets at this point like dude yeah you that can happen too like these two like i'm not worried about the match but when you like these two like they do do not feel like they are like it's an awkward fit to me of kenny omega and chris Jericho. these two feel like they are not uh they're rivals 
they're they're longtime rivals at this point. They're both exactly. from Winnipeg. Exactly. Yeah. They're a weird fit together as a team. Well, rivals pair up all the time. What do you mean? I it's a weird fit. I think stylistically maybe is what you mean. Like Jericho, even though I think we've seen him match well with Kenny Omega, um maybe there's a certain standard uh, for Kenny Omega that that we're expecting especially from like maybe the tag team uh partners he's had in the past. So, but I could still see them challenging Big Bill and, and Ricky Starks, for instance. That's yeah. what I see. I that that is what I, I see happening here. Yeah. Um, Hangman Page and Swerve Strickland, Texas Death Match. Um, to some people, they may feel like this is the main event on the show. The people's main event for sure. It's, it's I think definitely it's been not. promoted the most effectively. Uh, mm-hmm. They they had their hiccups after the home invasion and the follow up to it, but I think they've course corrected enough in the last two weeks. I mean, it really was just the the Chiron you seem to have issue with, right? It wasn't just that. It was just, I think overall, it was not played as like the intensity. Like there has been a marked difference, I think, since that that one week buffer where it just felt as though it was like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, this happened last week. There was this home invasion that just seems to be like normal fare. And then the next week, it's like, yeah, no, my baby was in that that crib. I'm going to murder you. So it was it was just uh, I don't me, remember the specifics of it, but I, uh, exactly because there were none. They didn't make a big deal out of it coming out of it. Like it was just I, nothing. I mean, okay, so maybe if that was that one week, and if I recall correctly, it was because like Swerve was in the main event and Paige wasn't interacting with him. Anyway, I I think they've done a great job. You know, overall, like by the time I'm 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 at the 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 the, the pay per view itself, I'm I'm really hyped for it. I thought tonight's promo was really strong. I thought last week's promo was really strong as well. So um, the only confusing I, part is that the winner of this, like, is another name. Like, the winner of this should be going for the title. Yeah, sure. Yep. And I could see that being Swerve Strickland. You know, it's kind of shitty to make the but guy where? who's home. Like, we've, you've got Joe. You've got Wardlow. You've, like, it's just all these So I could, I could see a rubber match between the two. Between Paige and Strickland? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, somebody Man. else... What, what do you else? do after a Texas death match? Like this well, what do you do after a home invasion? Death. He's told him he's going to kill him and then <laughs> piss on his grave with his son every year. Yeah. Well, maybe Paige has to Two win. out of three falls. That's the, that's the last straw. No, no, um, no. I'm looking forward to this. I could make arguments for either one going over, but it's sort of what your mix is. But I would love to see the winner of this. In they should be in, in the title mix after this. But Who would you have then? Um. Part of me wants to see Swerve. I think like he, to me, is the guy that, but it, it's kind of hard to beat Hangman after he's defending the life of his son. I know. Yeah. So it's kind of a tricky one to book where like, you're right. Like Swerve has all this like incredible upwards momentum that I think a lot of people are picking to be like of everybody on the roster who should be next to enter the title picture. I would say a lot of people would say it was, it would be Swerve. Um, but Paige is also working a storyline where his home and his baby's crib was invaded. So how do you make the guy lose? There are always ways around, you know, booking things like this in, in pro wrestling. Um, but I also don't think they're, that they're, they're intending on sort of timing wise to challenge for the title yet. So maybe it'll be Paige. Orange Cassidy against John Moxley international championship. There's just been so much flip-flopping with this one unintentionally, of course. Um, but I, I don't necessarily see Mox just winning, especially with the way like he kind of beat down Cassidy tonight. I somehow see Cassidy retaining. Does orange Cassidy work over the head? Um, he's going to have to fortify that orange punch somehow. Maybe he'll have to turn into a watermelon punch. 
Okay. Well, maybe some evolution. A lot harder than orange. Yeah. I, um, oh, last match, the last match these two had was amazing. Of course. It was. It was also the main event of that pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So we can expect the same. I, I think this will be a really, really great match. Could potentially steal the show. Sting, Darby Allen, Adam Copeland with Ric Flair against Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe to some people, the other main event. You know, this is uh, Sting's possible last time in uh, Inglewood, California. Um, it's a pay-per-view Sting match, so you could expect a big spy. Okay. Um, but like we saw on Saturday, I think you'll largely see Darby and, and Adam Copeland work, you know, do do the bulk of the action here. Um, Darby this will, has one shoulder. Yep. And this will be uh, Adam Copeland and Christian Cage sharing the ring. That's right. And uh, Adam Copeland's first pay-per-view match that mm-hmm. he has as well. And and you've got Ric Flair that's got to do some spot in in this match. Maybe do like a chop. I don't know. He fights a dinosaur. <laughs> that would be quite the scene. Yes. They should actually uh, do something where, like, Christian takes out Ric Flair or something. Um, sure, yeah. Do something like that. Because you, you have to have, I think, several programs, at least. I, I still think you have to, down the road, get to, like, a big blow-off between Darby and Nick Wayne. Obviously, with Christian and Adam Copeland, which I just think the way that Adam Copeland has come in, I think there's been enough resistance to this that I would want to get that one short up. I'm not saying race to get to that match, but I wouldn't put it off for months. I mm. just don't think, I do think people want to see Adam Copeland in with a wider variety of stuff. I wouldn't call this like an overwhelming success. He's for six weeks. It also hasn't really started yet. You know, like the, you, you could say this would be the start the first time that these two are interacting in, in a, in a match together in a six man. Right. So I think there's a lot more to be done. We, we, we have a lot more material and story for, for them to tell, but um, I think in order to start it, who would you say needs to win a match like this? I think in this setting, I mean, they have not had sting lose period. Have they in this whole time? I don't. I mean, I'm sure they have, but I can't recall. Someone can, can look that up. I don't see them be. I, I see Sting like pinning like Luchasaurus or yeah, probably Luchasaurus is there to take the fall in this one or Nick um, Wayne. But something that um, keeps everything going and you could do something like a, a big spot with Adam Copeland and Christian Cage, like some, you know, yep. spear off the stage, do something big that can keep those two aligned together. There's Heels will probably lose. a lot coming out of this one. Heels could lose and, you know, they can regain the heat by a post-match attack somehow afterwards. So, yeah. Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm for the Women's Championship. I'm interested in this. Like, on on paper, like, this should be a very strong match with these two. I think the crowd's going to be hot for this. Um, the the question is, like, how Hikaru Shida works this match because I think this is going to be, like, a 100% pro Tony Storm crowd mm-hmm. and how they... I mean, you have to expect that going in. Like, I don't think they're going to be blindsided by that. Totally, totally. But Cheetah is one of the more likable baby faces they have on the roster. So if anybody can withstand that that potential, I, I think it would be her. I don't think they're, they'll turn on Hikaru Shida. Like, she's not really – like, if this was Paige or, or sorry, a Soraya, then yeah, definitely. Not that she's a baby face even, but I'm trying to think of, like, another baby face that, like – might not be able to weather this sort of uh, no pun intended storm, you know, of um, positivity. Right. So, but it'll be a, a huge homecoming for Tony storm. I'm expecting a title change here. Me too. Like Tony storm is your most pushed act in this women's division. Let's put the title on her. Just be, like, 
it writes itself to do like the Hollywood celebration after mm-hmm. she wins this. It's like we're dedicating all this time. Let's make her the focal point of the division. Like it just feels yeah. as though like how much focus has there been on Hikaru Shida as she's had this short title reign? Like it's just there's not enough for them to do with her um, compared to Tony Storm, which they absolutely seem to love, you know, putting in segments and uh, showcasing. Right. Sheeta comparatively, um, they've yet to really fully define a, at least as much of a character for. So put it on Storm. Yeah. And the zero hour, we'll see what is added. We have nine matches in total, but the zero hours, MJF and mystery opponent against the guns. And I guess the question is, like, if you see uh, if Samoa Joe is be very weird for our for Samoa Joe to be put into this. And why? I mean, he made this big deal about giving up his tv title and now he's going to come in and win the become the roh tag champion well, i think they could lose it and i think joe can be the reason why they lose not not to say joe will get pinned i think mjf is going to get pinned um and uh or or they could lose however many other way you know but joe joe's whole thing was if you te- if, if i team with you then you have to give me a title shot he didn't have to say he they need to win in order for, for him to actually get the title shot Okay. I, I, I think this is just it has no interest for me, basically. Um I, Yeah, I, I think it's one too many things. Like again, MJF to me has feel felt very unfocused and unlike the Adam Cole um match they did before all in, I I, I just don't see really that much um interest. Like this to me. The ROH tag titles, they should be on the guns. Put put them on the guns. Um mm-hmm. Like this could have been a TV match, you know, a TV main event. Like for this show, I think it would have been fine. Yeah, you could have. You could have done this the night before at the forum. Like it probably would have been a bigger deal to have MJF wrestling on on your show the night before. But that's uh, that's the show so far. Probably some more matches uh, to come for the pay-per-view. But we will get you all caught up to date on uh, Rewind to SmackDown. So we're live free for everybody on the post YouTube channel, 10 Eastern on Friday evening. And then Kate and John will be live at 11 on the post wrestling cafe to get you through all of the AEW content coming your way. And then Saturday evening, a full review live here at youtube.com slash post wrestling of AEW full gear, a full gear, full review coming your way Saturday night with myself and waiting. Uh, but let's go through some feedback and super chats before we call it a day. Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com and let's start here with Johnny from Saskatoon who says, all right, tune in for the last half of the show. I was on toddler sleep duty tonight. Okay. He says the Bucks versus Penta and Commander was a great match. The first bit seemed to tad off, but once they started rolling, I was seeing a full glimpse into a PWG style match. Definitely the match of the show. The street fight, given what it was, it was chaotic, but maybe not in a great way. Paul White's bump looked horrible to take at his age. I hope he's all right even if he was kayfabe injured. Ibushi is slowly looking back to form. You could tell he was tapping into his inner DDT with this match. Next to Paul White, Ibushi might have taken the harshest bump on that bike. But for some context, Takeshita came out dressed as Majima from the Like a Dragon games. There you go. All right. Uh, next to Sal, I haven't watched Dynamite yet. <laughs> okay, welcome to the Dynamite Review Show. But just wanted to say, I really love John's interview with Chris Hero. Okay, I take it back, Sal. Thank you. John <laughs> always does great interviews, and Chris is such an interesting guy. I'll be at the West Coast Show on Friday and can't wait to see Chris Hero in person again. Well, that should be... So, I as I understand it, West Coast Pro, they will stream the show live on their YouTube channel, but they don't leave it up on YouTube. So, you pretty much have to watch live 
on oh. Friday night. So it is, I believe, 10 p.m. Eastern time that it starts on the West Coast Pro Show. I was just told that today. So you do want if you want to catch that match, it'll probably be going on sometime around like 12, 1230, I'm guessing, Eastern time. Okay. Thank you for that information and great interview, John. Um, you can find that in the free feed right now. Let's go to Shane McDonough from San Jose, who says, just just pop it in to say that as a huge Ryugagotoku fan, I'm guessing that means like a dragon, uh, that street fight was such a fun mess. The props, the entrance screen with NPC animations, the bicycle spot. Shout out to Kenny Omega for making that happen. At this moment, who do you guys think the devil is if you had to place a bet on it? I think for story purposes, I, I think Adam Cole would be the best option of the available ones they have. Yeah, um, I would say either like the 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 top candidates are probably Adam Cole or Jack Perry from like a bit more of an out of nowhere perspective. Um, Adam Cole almost seems a little too obvious, but I also don't have an issue with too obvious if it's sensical uh, versus Jack Perry, which they would have to come up with quite the explanation for. So um, it's my pick between those two. Adam Andrew from Cape Breton advertising is funny. It's something most people don't enjoy, but tolerate due to the support of their favorite products. It's essential in many places to get paid properly. It's seen as a necessary evil tonight. It was a brilliant part of the show. Sega must be ecstatic from cosplaying as people in a video game to Brian Cage's love letter to Sega with his tights. The like a dragon street fight may be the best advertising in wrestling I've ever seen. I can see Tony Khan showing this to other potential advertisers in the future. If the talent is all in on a product, this is what you'll get. Sadly, I can't buy the game because I only own a Nintendo Switch and numerous older consoles. This match and the match of the Bucks against Commander and Penta seemed like a response to recent criticism of AEW that is becoming WWE light. You will never see that on WWE television. Great episode tonight. Is that true? You'll never see a match like this on WWE TV? Um, you're you're going to see a pretty violent match at War Games, I, I, would, I would say. Probably not to the extent that you saw in this street fight, no. Um, I don't think so much the issue is... Um, the actual like in-ring content I don't think is the criticism people have had. I don't know if you're always seeing uh, these shows kind of booked in the way of like, let's just do five blow away matches on a dynamite. I think they are a little bit spaced out, but like these pay-per-views are, I, I, I don't think anyone is questioning like the pay-per-view and what you're going to get. I think that the, the criticism is more so it's, it's like the non uh, in-ring Mm -hmm. content on on the show in itself but to the point about yes i think this was a great advertisement of what AEW can do for like a video game release or something like that i thought this is um you know if if the advertisers were happy with this i i would not be surprised i would think like this would be what you would be aiming to have that you can do something unique like this in a pro wrestling setting Let's go up next to Corey from Long Island, who says, I don't watch Dynamite Live these days. I just found that most of the time for me, weekly wrestling programming just isn't appointment viewing anymore. Today was a different story. A couple months back, I suffered a bad case of hip tendonitis and had to rehab it for about three months. In the time where one of my biggest hobbies, running, was taken away from me, I decided to go back to my trusty standby of video games in between rehabbing. Long story short, four months and over 200, 200 hours of Yakuza games later, I find myself able to beat the final boss of the latest Yakuza slash Like a Dragon game, the man who erased his name, only to get a text from my friend that the Like a Dragon, the man who erased his name street fight was about to begin. I promptly paused the game. This match was sick. Takeshi and Cage coming out dressed up like Majima from Like a Dragon and Axel from Streets of Rage. The streets of com 
Camaracho on display on the Videotron. Acts of violence being performed with the bicycle. All of this was tailor-made for me to cackle loudly. There were so many stupid and gnarly bumps in this match, and I couldn't keep my eyes off of it for a second. Paul White and Kota Ibushi are really in their incredibly washed old guy wrestler era. And you know what? That's sick. I, this- I, I understand the point he's making. I'm not going to put Paul White and Kota Ibushi in the same category together. Mm. Yeah, I, I suppose maybe compared to their peaks of, of their careers, maybe maybe there's something there. But uh, he says, was this match a mad classic? No. Would I tell most sane human beings to go out of their way to watch it? No. Was this match good? Maybe. Will it get me to go out of my way to buy this game? I just beat it and the credits were rolling as I typed this. But you know what? This match was sick and that's what really matters. Eagerly awaiting the Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth Street Fight. All right. Well, brought a... Brought a disenfranchised Corey back to AEW. So I'm recognizing that the fans of the game already really, really, really like this match. Uh, So as a shout out to people who are already fans of the franchise, I mean, I I feel confident enough to say that it was a success. Did it inspire people who don't normally um, play video games to buy a console? Maybe that's not even the intent. Um, Did it inspire laps fans or people who own, I don't know, PlayStation or Xbox to talk about this game or to look into this game I, I would totally I play know. this game if i had the means to 100 swing bicycles at, at some people sure sure drop uh drop large men on hoods of cars or yeah. whatever it was listen you're right you're talking about probably the most discerning audience which would be fans of the game and if it paid service to them i think that's that would probably be your hardest audience to please so that would be a pretty good sign right there Jordan from the Bronx, also on baby duty during Dynamite, and perhaps my views on things might be altered due to my lack of sleep. I'm finding that the recent stretch of AEW shows have lost some of their luster. I'm still entertained, but nothing feels must-see. I can say that going into the pay-per-view, I'm interested in Swerve and Hangman and the development of the Devil Mask storyline, which he predicts will be Adam Cole. The street fight was a fun, chaotic mess, but I couldn't understand the point of Paul White's involvement in the feud if he was only going to be taken out in the back within the first third of the match. He didn't factor into the win in any way, and the bump seemed more dangerous than it was worth. I mean, at the end of the day, it was a spot for powerhouse Hobbs to look like a monster. But I, I agree. Like, I I just thought that Paul White uh, was like, man, did did this man need to be uh, put through this? Like, he, he should just not be wrestling at this point. Like, he has been through just the ringer with his body and the amount of surgeries he's had. And, I mean, we could see that when he was unveiled as the partner. Like, you could just see how limited his mobility was there. And this was probably the best they could do to, to masquerade that in the sense where we get a choke slam spot off the stage and then he's taken out in uh, what would look to be a pretty. Okay. So let me ask a question. And um, I don't want to sound insensitive when I'm talking about people's like livelihoods, but if you're Tony Khan, would you renew his contract? I think that with, with a Paul White, if you like, we have, we have to look at, like a value of being able to do all of this local media. Like if you want to keep a guy, like that would be my role for a Paul is White. That, and is that his value? I think it is. I think it is with working with a lot of these charities and doing a lot of community stuff that AEW is trying to do in different markets. Yes, I think he's excellent in that role. Uh, but that would be the role that I would be continuing him with. I would not, watching this, just seeing how the man is getting around, I would not feel comfortable putting him in a match, mm-hmm. nor is there room on this show for him. Like, there yeah. is, like, it's not as though it's like, oh, I wish we could just get, you know, a couple more matches out of Paul White because there's all this stuff that we could do. Like, this, we have a stacked roster. We have a solid stacked roster, and we need to be getting younger, not older. 
there can be a role for a Paul White. It's just it's not wrestling. Uh, sorry, everybody. We also had super chats here that I, m- I missed earlier on. So uh, let's go first of all here to Jake Olinar, who sends five dollars to say Saturday night will be busy, full gear. Then Vegas Grand, <coughs> excuse me, Vegas Grand Prix. Crazy enough at one a.m. where the track gives out full Mario Kart vibes along with the sphere. Ooh, is anyone watching this thing live on the East Coast? I mean, what a. Uh, if I wasn't doing the show, I would be. Yeah, I mean, those are my hours. But 1 a.m. hours. How many people's hours are these at 1 a.m. for a 90 minute race? Uh, I mean, F1 fans are used to staying up at or at least like watching the races at pretty odd hours. So um, so what would it be? 10 p.m. on the West Pacific. Coast, 1 a.m. on the East Coast. So I guess people can watch Saturday Night Live and turn on the uh, Vegas Grand Prix. But F1 is a very international sport. So I, I don't know. This might be what? One in the afternoon for people somewhere else, you know, so. They'd, I don't think they're as concerned about like, you know, catering to the Eastern time zone. All right. Uh, let's uh, go up next to Brandon from New Jersey who says, how do you think the rock would have done against Amar so- Suloev in pride FC talking like Hogan now with the big white lies. Yeah. He was on Joe Rogan's show and said in 1997, he was considering going to fight for pride because he was only making 150 grand in the WWF. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was holding my breath for uh, Dwayne Johnson and uh, Nobuhiko Takata in '97. Um, I guess he, like I, I imagine maybe a, a Fedor. He could have had a match with Fedor. The Rock. Yeah, he would have had to go Fedor. to rings to fight Fedor then. Maybe, maybe oh, okay. He, I don't know if he was aware of rings at that point. Um, yeah, I um, I mean, he was under contract at WWF, so that that wasn't going to happen. I I can't get into the man's head. Was he really thinking about going to Pride in 1997? I don't know. Let's go on to uh, Alfredo. The Like a Dragon Street fight had some of my friends who are fans of the game interested in watching Dynamite this week, and they had a blast. I had no idea how the fight looked to non-Yakuza fans, but it brought us great joy to see Takeshita don an eye patch and snakeskin jacket while throwing bicycles at people. I hope Sega got their money's worth. What video game would you like to see them promote next? Um, Mario Kart. Um, maybe they could do it in Vegas. Golden something in there. How about that? That might be a bit tricky, unless it's only chops. The chops, yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to Mark, who says so shortlist. But the question needs to be asked: Was tonight's sponsored street fight the best sponsored gimmick match we've seen across AEW and WWE? I'm leaning towards yes. Better than the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre match, yes. Pitch Black Mountain Dew match and the Army of the Dead Lumberjack match. What am I missing? Yeah, well, these all sound like the worst. Um. Has AEW I mean, not AEW done? has done a few of these. Like, remember hmm. when that Space Jam movie came out? And it's like, it wasn't so much, like, to me, it was it was not offensive when I was watching it. And I think that's what you look at this. Like, is this, yeah. are you hitting me over the head and I'm watching an ad and you just feel like I am the, the gullible fan that will just digest all of this marketing? I think you just want to make it as though here's a, we, we've put clear thought into this to give you some fan service while we're also satisfying an advertiser and i think mm-hmm. they, they they hit a home run with this one tonight i think overall like i would say yeah the texas chainsaw massacre was uh not not the greatest hit but it also was not the army of the dead lumberjack match or uh searching for a golden egg uh all night long um so yeah i 
I think AEW has had a better integration of these overall. But this, I, this, this might be the high point. I don't know. I, I don't have these off the top of my head of uh, sponsored matches. I, I think there was a lot more heart and sort of knowledge of the source material put into a match like this than, you know, a Mountain Dew pitch black match, which, I mean, how do you really promote Mountain Dew in the body of a match? You know, but certainly the zombie movie was just... Um, they they just heard zombies and then they just gave you the most generic sort of interpretation of what is i don't know zombies would be in a professional wrestling setting again probably a a lot more challenging to promote than a match like this Uh, but this was clearly made from people who at least had pretty good knowledge about the video game for certain spots like the bicycle and and um i guess the dressing up part so and and the hardcore fans are going to respect that a lot more Last one here is uh, Cody from Maine. Hangman delivers fired up promos better than just about anyone else in wrestling today. Honestly, he might be the best. I got, I get the home invasion was a bit goofy to some, but for me, the build to this rematch with Serve has been great. Seems like a shoe in for match of the night. Credit as well to Red Velvet and Sky Blue. While it wasn't a perfect match, they really worked hard for the 10 minutes they had. Hopefully those opportunities to sink or swim for the women's division continues after another year of disappointment from a large portion of the audience. Fun show tonight. I'm sure the pay-per-view will deliver as they typically do. And fingers crossed that the major signing is in fact the major signing. I hate to see someone like Chris Hero or Vikingo get roasted online because they're not Will Osprey or Mercedes Monet. Yeah, it's not going to be. Um, it's not going to be I Will Osprey, um, and it's I don't think going to be Vikingo either. Like these are people that are under. Vikingo's already pretty much a, like he's not any sort of surprise. The person who signed has to never not have appeared in an AEW wrestling ring, wrestling before. Yes. All right. Well, that is a uh, one aspect for the pay per view that will be revealed on a. Uh, Saturday night. So that's going to wrap it up. Thanks to everyone for tuning in live. Uh, if you want to check out the Chris Hero interview, it is up on the Post YouTube channel and you can uh, listen on your uh, listening app of choice as well. So rewind away Thursday for all members, postwrestlingcafe.com. We are chatting Wrestle Kingdom 10 from January 4th, 2016. And we will discuss the latest saga of Okada tanahashi for the iwgp championship and spot the young lions at ringside uh quite the game that we will be uh playing so that is it for us thanks for tuning in to rewind a dynamite